Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartinized. Today's episode, Constitutional Expertise. Once again, the United States Supreme Court has handed down a decision that is blatantly unconstitutional and gives the Fed sweeping new powers that they didn't have before. And in forums and in other discussion areas, when smart and nice people point out that there's nothing in the Constitution that allows this, The responses from the Big Brother fanboys would be amusing if their love of Big Brother's boot wasn't so depressing and predictable. It's proving to be fertile grounds for pundits of all political stripes. Some argue that it's a wonderful thing. Tyrants always have an army of sycophants cheering them on. Others will argue that it's an unprecedented expression of federal power. It's not. The Supremes have a long history of justifying unconstitutional expansions of federal power. Self-styled experts will proclaim that it's a correct decision because the Constitution's Commerce Clause makes it constitutional. It doesn't. Some will even argue that it's constitutional simply because the Supremes said that it is. Nope. It's now legal. But that doesn't make it constitutional. Anyone discussing how this or any other horrible Supreme Court decision is clearly unconstitutional is almost guaranteed to hear the most common, lamest, and tiresome report from the fanboys. You're not a constitutional scholar, so there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This usually comes from people who, just a few conversations ago, were pontificating about a different unconstitutional decision from the Supremes that they liked. Their personal equation is simple. When they disagree with a Supreme Court decision, they are constitutional experts. But when they agree with a decision, those who point out the flaws in it are unqualified, and therefore their opinion is meaningless. They manage to blend cognitive bias and argument from authority into a refreshingly chilled blend of logical fallacies, combined with a heaping dose of smug. They gulp it down so quickly that brain freeze is inevitable. There are many subjects that require a lifetime of study to master. The Constitution isn't one of them. It's a very simple document. It's less than 5,000 words and can be read slowly and carefully in about a half an hour. I used to have, and I wish I could find it, a little pocket-sized pamphlet that my daughters brought home from the Girl Scouts years ago. It was about maybe two inches across and four inches long, and it had the entire Constitution in this one little pamphlet. That's how small it is. And it's written in very clear English. There are only a few places where the meaning might be unclear, and they can be resolved with a bit more research. In a couple of instances, The use of the words back then are different than the way we use the words now. Specifically, things like militia and well-regulated. But it's really easy to find out what the Founding Fathers meant when they wrote it. Takes you about 10 minutes on the internet. 
You do need to do a bit more than that, though. You have to spend some time on the other writings of the Founding Fathers. Now, these guys knew they were making history, and most of them preserved their writings and their letters and their articles for posterity. The Federalist Papers are a good start. There are tens of thousands of pages of other writings as well, but it's not necessary to read them all, or even most of them, to get a good understanding of their motives and beliefs. Yeah, you could spend a lifetime studying them, and they were all fascinating people, but that's not necessary. You can develop a great deal of expertise on the Constitution and the intent of the Founding Fathers with just a few weeks of study. Study it for a few months, and you'll know more about it than 98% of your fellow Americans. The first thing you're going to learn is that the whole purpose of the Constitution was to limit federal power. It lists about a dozen and a half things that the feds can do, and the Tenth Amendment says they can't do anything that's not on the list. Now, once you have a good understanding of what the Founding Fathers had in mind, what they felt was the right and proper role of the federal government in the lives of American citizens, you can start looking through Supreme Court decisions. Prepare to be appalled. Pick a time period, any time period, and do some research. Go back 10 years from now. You'll find plenty of appalling decisions. Go back 50 years and you'll find more appalling decisions. Go all the way back to just a few years after the country was founded and you'll find appalling decisions. Throughout its entire history, the Supreme Court has made it a policy to twist and subvert the very clear intent of the Founding Fathers into rulings that allow for expansion of federal power. The most common excuse is the Commerce Clause. It was originally intended to let the Feds mediate disputes between the states, to prevent them from having tariffs against each other. But almost immediately after we became a country, the Supremes ruled that the Commerce Clause allowed the government to regulate everything that ever crossed state lines which was not at all the original intent. But regulating everything that crossed state lines wasn't good enough for them. In 1942, in Wicked v. Filburn, they ruled that a farmer who grew his own food for his own use, but went above the federal guidelines as to how much was allowed, he could be prevented by the feds, even though there was no commerce and nothing crossed state lines. They affirmed that back in 2005, in Gonzalez versus Reich. You don't need a law degree to recognize just how completely wrong and unconstitutional those decisions and decisions like it were. You just have to be able to read. You do need an intense legal education if you want to subvert the Constitution, to ignore its clear meanings, and to twist the words into supporting unconstitutional laws and policies. That's what the Supreme Court does, routinely, and has through its entire history. Big government presidents from both, and I say that in quotes, parties, appoint judges who love their particular flavor of big government. Those appointees justify most of the garbage legislation that's passed. Now, the Supremes do like the First Amendment, and usually, but not always, make the correct interpretation of it. But that's where it ends. It's obvious that they're not sitting down and asking, is this law or rule or regulation in keeping with what the Constitution actually says? No. Instead, they're thinking, I like this law, or I don't like this law. And then they twist those very clear words to justify what they've already decided. It doesn't matter what the document really says, or what the Founding Fathers' intentions were. 
If there were no commerce clause to misinterpret, they'd twist the general welfare clause. If the general welfare clause wasn't in there, they'd find some other clause they could subvert. They don't discriminate. They've twisted every part of the Constitution to suit their will, with the exception of the Third Amendment. And we can be certain that if the Fed suddenly decided they wanted to force us to allow soldiers to live with us, they'd find a way around that one, too. They are experts at it. They obviously delight in doing it. And they are the constitutional scholars. They went to school for a long time and practiced law for a long time after that to develop the expertise necessary to take something written that clearly and twist it into meaning something else, sometimes the exact opposite of what it actually says. Now, you'll notice that at the beginning of the podcast, I didn't specify which ruling I was talking about. I'm recording this in the summer of 2012, and those of you who are listening to it then, you know exactly which one I'm referring to. But if you're listening to this a year from now, or two years from now, or five years from now, because podcasts tend to hang around for a long time, it's still going to be accurate. You're still going to be able to say, oh yeah, the Supremes just handed down another unconstitutional decision. You can be absolutely certain of that. Now, people like you, the smart-nized listener, and people like me, who have merely studied the Constitution on our own, we're used to the scorn we get from the Big Brother fanboys. <laughs> they say, you aren't legal scholars. Perhaps not, we reply. But we don't have to be. We can read. We can educate ourselves. You should give it a try sometime. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been smartenized. See, I told you I haven't podcasted, even though it's been months since the last one. Oh, life gets in the way. And, yeah, I tend to lose interest in things. So, you know, I'm not as excited about doing it as I was when I first started doing it, was putting one out every other week. But I'll keep doing these from time to time, so just keep the RSS feed alive and active, and occasionally one will pop into your RSS reader, to your podcatcher, to your cell phone, to your MP3 player, to whatever it is that you use to listen. Just keep it in there. I'll still be doing these occasionally. And that leaves just one more thing to say, and that is that the Quick Hits Podcast is nothing more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken. Ooh, seriously.